go. Testing that's better. with us today, and I pray the Lord will bless. We're going to be taking our Bibles this morning. We're going to go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, as we uh, continue on with eschatology and an expose on the seven dispensation or the seven dispensation of the seven churches. So uh, we're going to go over the book again, as I said, Revelation, chapter 2, as we continue on with our studies. Now, inside of your... um, the handout that we had for today, the one that says uh, heading for a super marriage, uh, you'll see that on the back of our prayer sheet is the same thing we have upon the board right now. And uh, that's representing the seven churches, and this will give you an opportunity to see a little bit more about where we're going on today. Now, there's a lot of people that they might ask immediately, why are we going into the seven churches and looking at their uh, particular place. Because for us to have a real understanding of where we are at in biblical example and biblical history, we have to know the past. Remember this is that when we take a look at the, the time frame of dispensational periods, there is multiplicity of these time frames throughout. For instance, in human countdown, if you will, it was like 2160 years from the time of Adam's creation to the time of the Great Flood. And so that's the first 2,000-year period. Then you have another 2,000-year period that goes from literally the Flood all the way up to the birth of Christ. Now, if you go in and uh, take a look at it, well, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Just, we'll read from here in just a moment. Hold your place, and let's go to the book of Matthew. And in chapter 1, we talked about this particular order of Scripture. And in Matthew chapter 1, it says about the actual period of time that we can see. Uh, if I go down to uh, verse 17 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourscore generations. From David unto the carrying away into Babylon, 14 generations. And from the carrying away uh, into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. If 40 years is, is a representation of, of the um, period of time that we're talking about, which is 560 years of 40 years representing a generation, that means that there was 1650 years leading up to that time frame. However, that means that from uh, the time of the flood to the time that we see Abraham's birth or the coming of Abraham, that's another 400 years. So there's 4,000 years that were completed you know, before Jesus came to this earth. Now, a lot of people say, well, why was there 4,000 years up to the birth of Jesus Christ? First of all, there was God's plan. Uh, you know, for people that want to say that this earth is billions of years of age, it doesn't make any sense. May I point this out to you? My own granddaughter, uh, when I went down to visit with her and uh, she made this statement, she goes, you're not one of those young earthers, are you, Grandpa? I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, we know, that's interesting that you would say that. I said, what proof do you have? I said, for you to be able to say, we know, you have to have proof. And I said, let me ask you this. I said, I'm, you make up your own mind. I said, I'm not going to tell you what to believe, what not to believe. 
But why was it that when we had the moon landing, they landed in six inches of dust, and yet they said that they were so afraid that they, because there was a, an inch of dust that's created every thousand years, and because they were now predicting that the earth was billions of years of age, that they would sink into massive dust in, in the lunar landing. I said, where did they land in only six inches of dust? She said, I've never heard that. I said, no, you haven't. I said, that golden moon, or that golden sun we have out there, what kind of sun is that? She goes, well, I don't know. It's called a dwarf sun, a dwarf yellow sun. I said, do you know the lifespan of the dwarf yellow sun? She goes, no. I said, it's 10,000 years. How is it if something is supposed to last only 10,000 years, how can it be billions of years of age? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I said, logically speaking, just by what you're telling me, doesn't even match what the evolutionists are trying to come in. I said, but if you push that evolution so far away, and I said, but not only that, what's the thing about this? Each number, and numerology is so important for us to understand, each number has a direct representation. So when it said the fullness of time was come, Jesus came, born of a woman. That was the fullness of time after 4,000 years. But then we have the next 1,000 years, which is literally a time of grace, 5,000, and it's also a time of death, 5,000. We also see that the next one was called the was a thousand years of man, which we're going to get into here in a little bit. Finally, you have the thousand years of Jesus Christ reign. That's the millennial kingdom of Christ. That's the seventh millennium. Now, with that in mind, I want you to get this. In Revelation chapter 2, where we're going to be starting at today, we're talking about the seven dispensations, and we begin with the Ephesian church. Let's take a look at it. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that uh, holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and, I, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how that thou canst not bear them which are evil, and, and thou hast trusted them liars. Thou hast bore and, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works, or else I will come uh, unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repentest. But thou... But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. To him that overcometh will I give unto eat, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Now, Lord, I ask you that you will just bless us and that you will keep us and that you will help us in our study today. I want to thank you for all that are in attendance, and I pray that, Father, the things that are written are that which, those things which are good for us to learn. Help us there, Father, to be faithful. Guide and direct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, 
in the notes that I have in the back, we're going to be taking a look at the notes uh, as we go into our study. And the one thing that we have already discussed is the seven dispensations and why we hold to them the way we do, or why I hold on to them. And I'm not trying to persuade you to follow after me, but I want you to understand that when we take a look at everything within the scripture, we find a multiplicity of understanding. You see, our Bible is simply written, but it is very profound. And there's no mystery in it that cannot be explained very easily if we understand the Word of God. May I say this to you? People that want to make the mysterious, of the, make the Bible mysterious, will succeed. But that's because they're taking advantage of people's blindness. Number two, there are many churches that try to build up their congregations based upon the, the eschatology or the last things teachings. I do not have any desire to build this church based upon that, but because the church needs to know what it believes, we should examine these things carefully. Number three, there are always going to be critics of the position that we take. I'm not here to try to become critical with anybody. If anything, we want to make sure that all we write down is very good. Now, the reality is, is that when we take a look at these seven churches, and as we have our example here today, I want to tell you a few things that we may need to know. Roman numeral I, underneath critics, it says, I am not saying that I'm perfect in thinking, only that after my personal studies, this is what I find. Now, I want you to get this. Many years ago, I was asked to pastor a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. There was a small church, and uh, they asked me to go ahead and to hold on to the different things and to be able to pastor them. I was 26 years of age, and quite frankly, I was a novice. And reality is, is that because I knew what I believed, but I could not defend it, I wanted to be able to study it and to learn it on my own. My eschatology has come about not only because of what others have taught, but also because of what I have studied and found out on my own. Number two, we must remember that the Bible was given by the Lord, which is uh, very much like Him, past, present, and future. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. And it said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. Now, based upon that, we need to understand that our Bible is in three particular orders. Number one, it's historical. Creation was historical. But how many of us growing up would have realized that the attacks that we face today were really taking hold all the way back in the early 60s or in the early 50s. I have told this to many people that, uh, you know, when I was in school, I remember that I had some Christian teachers, and they wanted to make sure that we had the Pledge of Allegiance. They wanted to make sure we had prayer. They also had Bible reading. This was every school day. We had a little bit of us, all of them. You know, so when Brother Joe's reading the book of Psalms, that's not the first time I've heard the Psalms. I heard the Psalms all the way back, even in grade school. And I remember when the rule came down by the Supreme Court, outlawing it was wrong to have prayer, 
and that it was wrong to have Bible reading in the, in the classroom. But they then turned around and said, it's all right to have pornography. We were on a slippery slope. What has happened is we have removed the standard of God from our school system, and we have allowed the open door of all kinds of criticisms to occur. How many of you all know that you can actually read the Koran in public school and you won't get in trouble for it? But you open up the Bible and you can be criticized because it's been outlawed. I'm serious. How many of you all know that it's illegal to pray, but you can have worship time to demonism and everything else? What I find in such hypocrisy is that instead of having the true word of God to be able to say, and the outcomes for. Do you realize that there has never been a true law that has been established in America since we have removed the Bible from even the justices swearing in of our Congress and everything else? They're now swearing upon the Koran, upon comic books, upon sexual materials, anything they want. Say, man, this is what my God is. Well, your God is not my God. And in fact, we're going to say this a little bit later. Do you realize that the positions we hold to as a church are so so that you just wait and hear the next part when we get into the supermarriage. Number two, the application is present. Now, here's the difficulty. When you go back in and you read the Bible, even in the book of Genesis, and you know, it's funny, uh, Chris and I were talking about this earlier, about the tar pits that still exist. You know, and the coal fields and things like that. And it's amazing to me how many trains just run from the mountains over to here full of, of good coal and everything we need. I see this coal and I'm going, man... You know, as much coal as we use, it's amazing to me we haven't run out. You know, isn't it funny? God is in control of our planet. God is in control of everything that we do. And yes, I believe that it's all right for us to uh, look at, you know, newer sciences and things like that that might be beneficial to our world. But don't rush into something that they're going to try and say, well, that was a mistake. We know what God has supplied is a good supply. But let's put it this way. The book of Genesis doesn't need our defense, but the book of Genesis is worthy of our belief. Let me say it again. The book of Genesis doesn't require our defense, but it is worthy of our belief. Do you know that most of us, you know, and I know you all have had an opportunity to go see the Ark Encounter, and I've not been there yet. I can't wait to go see the Ark. You know, I think, you know, given that time, I want to go over and I want to look at it. I want to see everything that they have there. But not only that, I've been in the Creation Museum and I thought, this just builds upon what I already know. I'm not, I'm not looking at something brand new. This is something that I already know. It's a present encounter. I remember years ago when The Passion of the Christ came out, the, uh, the movie that was uh, put on by Mel Gibson. Uh, you know, and the reality is, is that uh, afterwards many people said, well, what did you think? I said, I've already seen it. You mean you've seen the movie? No. With my mind's eye, I can read the scripture, and I see the and everything. 
And so we have from the Word of God. Number three, it is a prophetic book. Do you realize that when we read the Bible, there are prophecies that are constantly unfolding? I remember one of the critics that I had one time, he said, now we have to agree that the Old Testament has been completely fulfilled. I said, no, we don't. I said, he said, what? I said, we're going to stop there right now. I said, if that's where we have to have our agreement, we're already at an impasse. Because the things that were written in the Old Testament have not been fulfilled. Read Isaiah chapter 65, when it says, I created. We might see a little bit of an improvement from time to time. But let's put it this way. The Bible teaches us that corruption will always be with us and it's going to be a multiplication table. That is prophetic in its nature. It also says that they shall look upon him whom they pierced, meaning the Jewish people, that they shall see Jesus Christ in his holiness and they will literally... Romans chapter 11. I don't mean to be excited, but that's where it goes. May I point out to you that I have met the critics who have also said that they do not want to be refused, and they refuse to believe my position. Look at point B, Roman numeral 1. In the bank, there are no winners or losers. May I point this out to you? I don't like debate. You know why? Because you have a grandstand. And I have known a lot of men that they brag about their debate. You know, probably the last great debater, believe it or not, was Ronald Reagan. And that's because he used humor to, to disarm many other people. But here's the sad reality. Do you realize that when you're in debate, you have this one person that is against God and this one that is for God and yet when everything is done because they air it out in the open, they have to declare themselves winners or losers. I guarantee you they'll never declare themselves losers. And sadly, whenever there's a debate, it's one that it does not have the benefit. If you really want to have a good, serious conversation, then go one-on-one. -on -one. What I love about it is that one-on-one -on -one says, what you see is what you get. I don't claim to be the most knowledgeable person in this world, but I have been with Jesus. And you say, well, how have you been with Jesus? I have his word every day in my life. And the more that you are with the Lord in his word, you begin to enjoy the things of God, and you can impart it to other people. And so when you think about this, I don't need to debate you on a national platform. Let's just come together. Let us come together and reason you know, did you know that that's exactly what the Lord said to the children of Israel? Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them like snow. You know, here's the other thing. We speak in Christian ease. And, and I've, I've had this confronted to me so many times. I never thought I would get to this place. I can speak to you all about words about dispensation, have an e easy explanation, and it works out. I can speak to you about this or about that, about the Word of God. But do you realize something as simple as the word sin, people don't understand it. Well, I... 
with his arms. Adam eating of the fruit. Not Adam lusting after the fruit. Not Adam looking at the fruit. Not Adam touching the fruit. Or anything else. The moment that Adam sunk his teeth into that, that fruit, then immediately sin entered into the picture. And now we are... I mean, we become jealous over people because they make eye contact with our loved ones. They become, I mean, think about this. When, when we were growing up, and I remember Greg and Dennis and all of us will remember this, we used to play way after dark. We either flashlight tag or, you know, this outside tag. I remember many years ago, we were just playing uh, tag and, uh, or hide and seek. And I laid down in the yard and I rolled myself up like a big tire. And I had all these kids running around looking for me. I even had one kid come up to me and said, maybe that's him over there. And they said, in the middle of a yard. But we had such innocence. Now, we, are, we have all fenced in our yards. We have all enclosed ourselves. And we're even afraid of our neighbor. Let me tell you something. Some of the best times that I learned the Word of God was sitting on my dad's front porch. And when we were sitting on the porch, many times we'd have this preacher come over, and this preacher would come over, we'd have this man of God come over, this man of God come over, and right there we would have some of the best Bible studies. Why did that happen? Because the Word of God reigned freely upon this planet. Now we are hiding in our coves. And that, too, is an example of things to come. Num point number three, I am not God, therefore, I, whatever I write demands study. You know what gets me is as I study these word of God, as I study the Word of God, I have to confront moment by moment my own thinking. Many years ago, I heard a preacher make the statement that the seven stars are the seven messengers, and the seven messengers, therefore, must be preachers. I have come to the conclusion after my Greek study that I am not an angel. I know that's a disappointment to you all. You all just think that I'm the most glorious person you've ever met. I'm not. I'm not an angel. But the reality is, and I will never become an angel. Neither will you. You are destined to be a child of God from the moment that you're saved, even unto redemption. You will never be greater than Christ. And it even says in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 that they were made a little lower, that he came to this earth being created a little lower than the angels and that he was created as a man, but he was God. Now, here's the reality. Did I make a mistake? No, I did not make a mistake. What I did is I learned. And the one thing is, God can take our ignorance and he can still make it into good. Can you accept that? God can take our ignorance and turn it to good. Look what it says in point C. Eschatology is not regulated by one book. This book of Revelation is just one part. Now, I know that this seems so strange, but have you, as I pointed out, the book of Isaiah, the book of Micah, the minor prophets... The book of Ezekiel, the book of Jeremiah, all of those have tidbits 
of the book of, of what Revelation or what eschatology is all about. Do you know that, that Daniel was the one that gave us a full insight of what the four major, uh, if you will, leadership would be upon this earth? Followed and closely aligned was the Roman Empire. And when, when Daniel saw this, and when he was given clarity of every little point, God made this statement. Look, turn with me, if you will. Let's go to the book of Daniel. I want you to see this. Don't take my word for it. It's worth looking at. All right? In Daniel chapter 12, and let's go down to verse 5. All right, Daniel chapter 12, verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood another two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And the one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long And I Until the time of the end. Do you realize that Daniel saw things, his questions were still multiplied, and God said, You can't write it down? Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. There are things, I'll give you another one. Let's turn, if you will, to Revelation chapter 19, and this is just a bit of an example. Let's go to chapter 19. And let's go down, oh, man, I could read all this. So let's go to verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and, and righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Wait a minute. You mean there's a name that Jesus has that no man knows? That's what the Bible says. There are things that God has concealed and kept till that day that we shall hear afresh. So I want you to understand, we look at the Word of God and we understand what is given to us only because the Bible allows us by the grace of God. We should be in great amount of prayer. I so disagree on this. Some of the, some of it has been fulfilled, such as Daniel being told of the four kingdoms to come, Daniel 7. We're not going to read that all right now, but you can. I also believe that the book of Zechariah is yet to be fulfilled as many of the other minor prophets. But I want us to look at this one. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. 
And let's go down, if you will, to verse 17. Romans chapter 11, and let's go down to verse 17. This will be probably the last passage we'll look at today. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thereof. Or bearest not the root, but the root thereof. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Now let me explain this to you, because I know that we have people that have never heard this before. Reality is, is that when Israel rejected the salvation of Jesus Christ at the beginning, and you can read the last chapter of the book of Acts and you can see all about this, then literally Paul attention to the Gentile people. We were always classified as the wild olive branch, the wild olive tree. So because our I preach a gospel of the salvation of Jesus Christ and I preach it to everyone that will listen. And some of those that have listened to the word of God begin to believe because they have heard for the first time the grace that is mounted up in Jesus Christ. But that does not give me a as well. Look at verse 23. And they also, if they abide not in, in, in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. That is the beautiful part. And do you know what the book of Revelation is all about? The book of Revelation is now the transition that the Gentile period is done and Israel is restored. I, I have many books up in my library. The Left Behind series is one of them. And the whole idea of the Left Behind series is that some of the Gentile people will be saved. That's absolutely true. I believe that during the Left Behind period or the Tribulational period, some of the Gentiles will be saved. That's some. But if you read the book of Revelation, Israel is protected in a mighty way. That, that's amazing to me. How many of Israelites will be saved? I don't know. 
Millions? More than that? I don't know. I do know this, is that when they have had the election of God brought upon them, they will not refuse. Look what else it says. For if thou were cut off out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted in contrary to nature, and to a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I love this part. Listen to what it says. For I will not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. This is the mystery. Are you listening? Here is something that is absolutely fabulous. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits. I had a man one time look at me and he goes, well, maybe the, the, the idea of Israel receiving all of their territory has been fulfilled because of Abraham's seed with Ishmael. I said, are you crazy? God's plan did not include Ishmael. God's plan was for Isaac. And right now, they have never had all the territory all the way over to the Euphrates River. Never had it. They've never gone all the way south into the Red Sea. They've been to the Mediterranean. But even then, they were enclosed. I said, that's the promise. When God said in Genesis 17, Stand up, Abraham, and gaze thy eyes. Tell me what you see. You haven't seen nothing yet, Abraham. It's going to happen. And I believe it's going to happen during the millennial reign of Christ. Look what it says in your own conceits. That blindness is part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. We are Gentile people. Anyone here Jewish? Chris and I were kind of laughing about this a little bit. He's from Ireland. He's from the Irish country, like me mum. But you know, the reality is, is that just because we're Irish doesn't make us Jewish. I'm English. Doesn't make me Irish. Doesn't make me English. Doesn't make me Welsh. Doesn't make me Jewish. And just because people want to lay claim to the Judaism doesn't allow them to be Jewish. And so all Israel shall be saved, as is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Man, I look forward to that. For this is my covenant unto them, which I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemy for your sakes. Now listen to this. But it's touching the election. You know, many people forget that passage. The day is going to come when they shall hear the word of God and be made alive. They are beloved for the Father's sake. All right. So we are next week we'll pick up on the Ephesian church and we'll finish up on this chart. So may the Lord bless. Father, again, thank you for the time we've had together. Now lead us and bless. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. We're dismissed on the next service.